I'm excited to have two women who have been in this industry for a long time and understand how influencer marketing works and why it is so important. Dominique is the managing partner for Hello Conversations, an influencer-led content creation and PR agency with over 17 years of experience in this industry. She's worked with brands from pet food to toys to diamonds and everything in between. Mo has over eight years experience in communications and currently works for an award-winning PR agency. Hmm. We'll keep guessing which one that is. Her background is in consumer and corporate public relations. She has worked with a wide range of clients, including Cadbury, BBC Studios, Omo, and Hasbro. Mo has a passion for influencer marketing and how it helps brands speak to their audiences and engage consumers around the world. Mo and Dominique, welcome to Drinks with Chan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, thanks. Thanks Thanks for having us. Mo, I'm starting with you first on this one. How important do you think diversity is in campaigns? And why is it still a problem? Oh, goodness. Um, Look, diversity, I think for me, just being someone who is, um, I think, younger, part of Jay-Z, Gen Z, sorry, audience, um, a black female. I think um, my interest and 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 my life and my upbringing and my socioeconomic status and everything sort of speak to my interests um, and what I and what I take in from a con- what I consume from a media perspective. Um, and also, I think um, it's important because everyone. Uh, I think consumers are smart, and I think. Uh, we gone are the days where we've sort of put sort of brands or people into boxes. People have interests, people are diverse, people are growing, people are sort of, um, I mean, people are, are across, are living across many, many different realms. So it's important that we include and we are able to give everyone um, the opportunity to be a part of every brand and um, brands they consume brands. They, um, Brands they live with, brands they grew up with, um, and also because our 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 clients or consumers um, are the ones that are take are, are actively going out to to um, to buy or, or or be a part of clients or brands. It's important that I feel like they're reflective of what the world looks like and what what the ordinary consumer is. So it's very important, I feel, um, and I think it's 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 still a problem because. I think in the largest scale of things, um, a lot of people are still very traditional in the sense that a lot of, um, I think establishments or a lot of um, organizations are still are still sort of um, narrow-minded in that um, a lot of people aren't informed, a lot of people aren't really um, updated and current. So I think um, a lot of decision makers are also not updated and current. and. I think um, it all begins with who are the people that are making the decisions, who are the people that are at the forefront of the company. Um, and I think because there's a lack of information in some areas at the top, um, I think that's why there is still that, you know, that, 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 
those blurred lines within this this specific topic. But um, for me, it's it's very important. I think it's people are smart. It's twenty twenty, and everyone um, has to be sort of uh, reflected in in a brand or in in a campaign. Okay, so that's one of the reasons why I'm having this conversation with you, Mo and Dominique, because I feel like you both have so much experience and knowledge when it comes to influencer marketing. Yet there's many people that still don't know how the industry works. I mean, I've been in this space for close to seven years, so I think I have a better idea than a few others. But the questions that I'm about to ask you have been compiled or put together by a whole list of influencers, content creators, bloggers, whatever we call them in 2020. But these are people that really Mm -hmm. want to know why, how, what, when. And Mm -hmm. Mo, I'll start with you. And then Dominique, I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion as well on this. Sure. Mo, I really want to know, do you plan mm. campaigns for the year mm. like months in advance? How does it work in, in the PR space? Um, okay, so different clients have different sort of ways of working. Um, I think clients uh, every year have an objective and and they have a budget and they have different sort of um, campaigns, uh, specific or, or targets. Um, and based on that, that's how they scope out the work for us as PR people. And from there, we then decide um, together with the client what uh, what products, what what services they want to highlight or sort of speak to um, and how best we're going to do that. So upfront, for some of my clients, no. Um, we know that there are certain sort of uh, phases of, of the year that we're going to speak to more, cli- more, more, uh, more campaigns. Um, just because of, for example, there is an influx of uh, whether it's, it's it's programs or there's a lot of uh, products that are going to be on the market uh, that are pertaining to a client. Then we will speak to specific campaigns or a lot of campaigns within that area. We'll speak to budgets. Um, but um, I think it's, it's a decision um, as and when we've sort of reached a certain um, time frame, um, just depending on what which client it is. So, um, yeah, we don't know in advance, but we saw, we have an idea of um, what the client will be doing for the year, sort of the scope of work, um, how we will be delivering um, and, and how we'll work together, basically. Dominique, do, do you, does your company work the same way? Uh, quite similarly. Um, so as Mo said, some of our clients work in different sales cycles or have different peaks in their um, sort of client, like their product um, what's usage. So. In general, though, I would say we work on about a two-month lead time from when the brief comes in mm. um, to, you know, getting it presented, getting it approved, getting it done. But it's very, very hard. I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think I've ever had a campaign done in a, a year in advance. It really does depend <laughs> on cycles yeah. of things. Um, you know, when is someone more likely to drink a cognac versus when is someone, you know, uh, more likely to buy diamonds, for example. So it all depends on the client and the brief, but yeah, Mm. a good two months is generally how we work ahead. Mo, are you always pitching different bloggers to clients? Yes. Um, Yes and no. Um, Some clients, so some clients are more traditional than others. Um, If you're speaking bloggers specifically, 
um, depending on the, the expected outcome from the client, um, we would then look at who's better suited for whatever it is. Um, and I think some clients, uh, clients are getting smarter on my side. Clients are getting very smarter. Um, I think clients follow a lot of the personalities, especially my international clients. They follow a lot of the personalities. Um, they're looking at competitors and just trying to see sort of, um, you know, who's, who's hot and who's not. So sometimes they do recommend people, but um, I think we are, for every single campaign that we do, depending on our KPIs or um, you know, how we're going to report, I'm always looking at somebody different. Um, sometimes we look at the same person for a longer period because that is also how um, our business is working and how, how our, our clients prefer to work. But um, we don't necessarily go into a campaign saying, okay, we'll just copy and cut and paste whoever we used last time. Um, it's always dependent on our relationship uh, with the blogger and 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 their their results and also timings and and what the client expects for a different campaign. But as far as media lists are concerned, um, we have two people designated on each team who are who spend half the day basically just looking um, for media, looking at uh, influencers, looking at bloggers, looking at what's you know who's being spoken about in the news, how we can tap into that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also in my personal capacity, I mean, I'm always intrigued to see what's happening and uh, who people are talking about. So, um, yes, we we like to evolve in terms of um, using different people. Uh, same from our side. Um, we really look, It's for us, it's more about the audience that the influencer or blogger or YouTuber or whoever it may be attracts. Um, it has to be appropriate for the client at the time. So, um, you know, one audience is different to another, and that also means a different selection. So one time you might use a blogger, but the next time you'll use a YouTuber, as an example. Mm. And um, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all fits approach. Um, yeah. some, some agencies it might be, but um, like what Mo said, we don't. We don't cut and paste and present the same people over and over again. Unless... Yeah, yeah. And there, um, like, for example, if a campaign has done really well with a particular influencer, um, we do approach them again for like round two because we know it worked and um, we want to establish long term relationships with people yes. like that when it works for the brand and it resonates yes. with their audience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's how we work. I, I think you both highlighted something really important. It's not just bloggers. There's YouTubers, there's social yep. media stars, there's celebrities, and everyone is being put in this same basket, unfortunately, because we're all in that influencer space. So quickly, Dominique, maybe you could touch on this. What's the difference between a micro, macro, mega influencer? Okay, so my view is a little bit um, left of center in this regard. Yes, you can have a technical definition for a micro, a macro, a nano, a niche, a whatever, whatever. They've all got these names, right? But yeah. in my view, so firstly, um, you know, especially if you're working on a campaign that requires a lot of reach, um, you would work with a selection of micro, macro, mega. So I don't want to go into like, oh, a micro is less than 1,000 followers um, because to be very honest, we don't actually look at followers. We look at engagement. 
So when we are thinking about people to work with, no matter what platform it's on, um, Instagram, YouTube, doesn't matter. What engagement are you getting as a person? It's also natural that the lower your following, the higher your engagement will be. You know, these big um, followers, millions and hundreds of thousands, their engagement is really low. So that's personally how I like to look at it. Um, what I've had the best uh, results from is a combination of micro and macro. So um, I would say anywhere between like a thousand and five thousand followers, um, and then like a good fifteen to forty thousand followers, like those two groups of people. That's where we've seen the best. Um, we generally don't work with the big, big guys because what we found is that they end up becoming more like an, an ambassador rather than a content creator because the bigger guys are generally celebrities. So they want big money and they'll, they'll, you know, pose with a bottle of something and tweet twice for a lot of money. And they have very strict rules. Um, we're working with the smaller, and I mean smaller with a lot of respect. It's not a bad thing to have, you know, 3,000 followers. Because if you've got 3,000 engaged followers, that to me is way more valuable than 100,000 followers. Okay, so Mo, as you mentioned, there is two team members that are actively looking out for content creators. Is there any platforms in particular that you do use to find these influencers? Um, we use uh, a platform called Humans, um, but I think uh, it's it's very important to also uh, sort of flesh out that I think in I think because we most of the time, and I'm not speaking about this particular agency I work for. I'm speaking about just more in general working at different agencies. I think I've had the pleasure of working on the accounts that I really love or the clients or the brands that I really love, um, which also means that uh, a big part of me sort of consumed it or um, experienced it. Um, and that also means that uh, I'm the consumer, essentially. Um, so um, as somebody who sort of consumes a lot of content and, and, and is sort of engaged on that level, um, I have a big hand in also looking at media lists and looking at uh, influencers and looking at uh, those kind of things. Um, so what usually happens is we are a very big group of young, very sort of with it people. Um, we're always consuming media, um, We've all worked across uh, the industry for a long time, so I think uh, we have a fair idea of who is 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 does what within the different spaces. But otherwise, place uh, things like humans um, help us right now. Um, yeah, and I think good old Google. I think um, and I, th I think when you when you are on these different platforms um, all the time, you 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 do get sort of uh, an intro to newer people just based on the people that you're following. So we also keep sort of um, our media list or people that we work with, um, we, we keep that as sort of a base as well. Okay, so here's the thing. A lot of content creators are not on humans because they feel like that platform just doesn't pay what they deserve. And I, I love that you said that you have included Google in this because I think, of course, Google plays an important role in how we find content creators today with SEO-wise. But there's a lot of new content creators or content creators that feel they haven't been discovered yet. And yes. they're like, 
why am I not getting anything? I mean, I'm on Instagram. I have 3,000 <laughs> followers, but I'm not getting any brands approaching me. I'm the one always working to approach these brands. And half of them don't even read my messages. <laughs> so it's a, bit, it's a bit tricky there, but I just want to chat about how and where do you normally reach out to these bloggers? Do you reach out to them on social media? Is it email via the website? Dominique, maybe you can start. Um, I wanted to just add to what Mo said. So um, as much as we would love to be able to uh, use humans, um, so Mo, uh, without mentioning the name of the agency, is lucky to work for a big um, agency that they are able to afford the fees for these subscriptions, right? So when you use a tool like Humans or Webfluential, which are all amazing, I love the tools. I mean, I think poor you know, humans, if they hear from me one more time about if they've got any specials running, they might just run a mile. But, <laughs> you know, for, for smaller agencies, we don't, ha we don't have the, the cash flow, to be quite frank, to pay for these subscription services. So how do we find influencers? Yes, good old desktop research. But we've also gotten a lot smarter about the way we do things. So we look at things like hashtags. Um, so who posted using certain hashtags like um I was looking for somebody the other day in a, a, another area of South Africa. I Googled that location. I'm sorry, I used the hashtag on Instagram for that location. And I found amazing content creators that I'd never even heard of. So um, it's, a, it's a selection of, you know, social media stalking, um, uh, you know, watching YouTube, following people on Instagram, seeing who you follow. So like, for, for example, who's, you know, new baby and I following, check those people mm. out. Um, so how we reach out to these lovely people once we found them is the first thing I have to say, and I'm going to say it probably about 1,700 times, is please put your email address in your social <laughs> media you. profile. Thank you so much. Please. Love your work, Dominique. Please, Love please, it. please. Because <laughs> let me tell you, it would make my life so much easier. So much easier. Oh, my word. I cannot tell you how difficult it is to contact people because you can't find the basic information like an email address. So if we're lucky enough to have an email, then we, we obviously send a mail and we introduce ourselves. We tell the person a bit about us. We say, hey, we like your profile. Let's set up a call or have a coffee. Um, then if we don't, obviously we do it by DM or some random like contact us page on a blog that then goes to somebody <laughs> who, who knows who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so, so for me, um, it's a variety of things. Time consuming things. Let me also just say, I mean, Mo has, like you said, you heard two people on each team doing half a day's work on keeping lists updated. So feel for us, it's not an easy job to find you guys. It's not for a lack of wanting to work with different people. It's just so, there's just so many out there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, sorry. And just to add to what, um, what Dominique just said. Um, oh, sorry, Shan, just take a step back first. So humans have, have different functions. Um, I think mm. the consumer side and the work side are two different sides. Yes, it is. Um, from a PR side, I'm able to speak to or locate anyone, anywhere, as long as your profile is open and you have a social media account. Yeah. Um, so from a human's tracking side, um, we're able, for example, if we've got very niche products, projects and we want to speak to somebody in, uh, or somebody who has an audience specifically in the East London, we can do that. But yeah. like uh, Dominique said, I mean, 
part of when 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 you when your passion is, is what you do and 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 you are immersed in, in and you live and you love your job a big part of your day is stalking i mean yes <laughs> even if you're not looking for people to work with you're looking for you know the late anybody cool yeah yeah, yeah who's new whatever. what's happening yeah exactly um <laughs> you know so you know and and i think i've in the past week i i think i've literally i've been on twitter looking at trending looking at what yes. people are talking about looking at if that if that person is an influencer and you know how how they said one thing and they got like 12 retweets and then tried to you know so i mean it's 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 there's a lot of things there's no sort of right and wrong way of doing things um, but I think for me personally, the good old, the good old days of just, you know, looking and, and being immersed in your, in your subject matter and your client, that's, 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 that's the way to go. But also Shan, um, I think it's, it's, it's impossible. It, it really is impossible for us to speak to people who are coming out and becoming a beauty blogger or a YouTuber, or, you know, we, there is no, there's no platform that has sort of an alert to say, Hey guys, um, you know, we've got three new influencers who are in this <laughs> I space. Wish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody's created that unfortunately. Um, but but um, what is happening is, and I, and I had a few conversations is, um, the past few months for me have been um, a bit a bit uh, nicer because um, there are influencers who are recommending other influencers. Um, there are bloggers who are recommending other bloggers. Um, mm. And when you are following um, you baby and I, and and you contact whoever from whatever. Uh, uh, from whatever uh, platform or whatever, um, when we are DMing you or we are sort of um, writing underneath the comment section, hey, please check your DMs, or we are emailing, um, some of the times it falls on flat ears, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yep. Sometimes we don't get a hold of these people. And it is such a shame because you look at this person, you're like, wow. Um, so, I mean, sometimes people are responsive. Um, people do get back to us. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, we do reach out. And sometimes as PR people, you do share contacts. So you will write in your groups or you'll write in your own personal status. Hey, guys, do you guys know X and X? Like last week, I was looking for people who, influencers who are based in a certain area. And I put on my WhatsApp status and all my PR friends helped me. So um, with contacts and stuff. So, so I mean, I think there are different ways to, to do this. But yeah. nine times out of ten, we are doing our own work. We're stalking. We're DMing. Yeah. We are following people around. And this is, yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's good to hear everything that you just mentioned because a lot of content creators assume that PRs are lazy. I have said this with a lot of Woo! respect for you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There has been conversations on social media regarding working with PRs and brands. And what that was one of the common words used. PRs are not are lazy because they're not looking hard enough or they look within the circle that they know and they're too scared mm -hmm. to go outside yeah. that. And I came across uh, someone posted something on Facebook recently and a, a PR person replied to that and said, oh no, I don't work with anyone outside my trusted circle because wow. I know these people oh. won't let me down. So. I just want to touch oh, wow. quickly on that. Are some PRs friends with content creators? And does this have anything to do with them getting campaigns? Oh, wow. 
first um, firstly firstly this is my job and besides a job this is my passion guys i went to school for this i literally like i spend sleepless days and nights stalking people harassing people my first job i got because i had to make friends with somebody who had to you know speak to my my, my boss at the time so i love what i do um, I also understand that there is a moral sort of place in society and there's there's an ethical place as well. Um, for me personally, Mo the brand cannot afford to make friends with people and give people chop and change and, and, and small little uh, discounts and take money. I mean, unethical business practices everywhere. Um, but I yeah. cannot subscribe because Mo as a brand is just, I've got too much to lose. But can I tell you, like... Um, in terms of relationships, I have to make relationships. Not everyone is my friend, but I have to be friendly with a lot of people half the time. Um, and for me personally, at the end of the month, when I need to submit a report or I need to make friendly with the client, numbers are everything. So I cannot go to a friend of a friend of a chomi and give this chomi a break. No, um, it doesn't work like that. It's a numbers game. It really is. The only thing that I could do with my personality um, and our relationship is maybe, um, for example, speak to somebody who I would usually get at X amount and try and get them to get at this amount because I really feel like their personality will suit the brand. And I really feel like my client will love working with them again. Um, and that's what I'll do. I'll negotiate prices down because I've got a great personality. Um, but I don't go to the same people. I don't go to a group. I don't have a click. Um, I don't sort of, uh, I don't use my, my PR position or, or, or place in, in, in the world um, as a way to, to bully or, 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 or just cheat the system. Um, I think uh, for a lot of us, at the end of the month, we all, have, we all have to answer to someone. We all have to answer to our clients, especially. Um, a lot of, these, a lot of these, these people exist. And this is why a lot of uh, businesses, not, not, not all, but this is why a lot of them don't make it long. Because people are in there for the wrong reasons. And, and there are so many power plays and things that they try to, to take advantage of. But um, I don't do that. Um, everything that I do, every cost, every anything that I submit to the client, I need to answer for. Um, if you're my friend, then that's great for us because then, wow, I got you something. But it's always based on your numbers for me. It's, it's a numbers game. Like, no, no jokes. <laughs> no jokes on my side. <laughs> From my side, I can see why certain PRs would say that. I mean, obviously, I don't speak for everybody here. I speak for myself. Mm. But what I would assume that they are maybe talking about there is potentially where an agency is very specific. Like maybe that agency only does beauty brands or only does shoe brands, for example. Then it makes more sense for them to potentially say, I'm only going to work with the people I know because A, they're probably only working with the beauty bloggers or the you know fashion bloggers, for example. So not that I'm excusing it because I'm sure, it, and it does happen. I mean, why would you get questions like that or comments like that? We don't do that. Yes, we become <laughs> friendly with the people that we work with. Um, so in other words, I could phone you, Shine, and say, hey, I need your advice on this as a, as a friendly work colleague. That's how I see the people that we've worked with. So we've become close connections, but I mm. don't necessarily now go and put Shine forward for everything we do. Um, and also it's because we as an agency have very specific processes in place to manage influencers and to make sure that um, they don't let us down. So what, what, that, what that person commented in terms of people letting her down, we are so strict. We have contracts. We don't pay until everything's delivered. 
you have super strict deliverables with us unless you deliver you don't get you don't get paid and so from our side it's also about how you manage the influencers and biggest thing of all how are you going to know if you don't try new people so yes it mm. might not end up in the greatest of space but what makes a good client agency relationship is the fact that you can then admit to it and go you know what we thought this person was going to work but it turns out this and this um this is what we've learned from it going forward we're going to check x y and z and that won't happen again you know this is this is still an industry that's changing and learning all the time i mean so so from my point of view it's it's sad to work with the same people all the time because you're not exposing your clients to the broad variety of awesome people that are out there do you think pr companies do this because they're scared of losing the client or the client says yes. hey you told yes. me to put money into influencer marketing but i didn't get the results i wanted yes. Yes, I do think that. I think that 100% and that's where I think having the right approach up front and having the right processes in place up front. Why do you think we have these strict contracts now? Because we didn't before and we got our fingers burnt. That's how we learn. We learned that. We learned and then when you go and you pitch to the clients, you say, this is how we choose our influencers. This is how I vet them. This is the contract they sign. And you know what? It may not work at the end of the day. I mean, there's a couple of campaigns that have been going on right at the moment that I've like shaking my head at. Like, well, how did that get approved? You know, mistakes happen, learnings happen. It boils down to the relationship. But from the agency side, like you have to have the right process in place. And when you put those people forward, like <laughs> I'll never forget this one example. Um, we wanted to put forward this really cool um, YouTuber for a cognac client of ours. So we went and met with them and we were like, yeah, this cognac, it's brilliant. It's this, it's that, da, 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 da. And the guy was like, you know, I don't drink, right? <laughs> so, so for us, that's why our process in the beginning is so important. Because imagine if I had not gone and put that guy forward and the client mm. loved him, how does it make me look? So there is mm. a lot to be said about how you approach a client, how you explain to the client what it is. Um, it's not just pay five grand and get a tweet. Um, you have to make the client understand that the influencers are your creative directors. In my world, an influencer is like when you go to a big agency to make you a TV ad and you have those ECDs and the big teams who make the ad and put the ad together. In my world, influencers are creative directors. They come up with the concepts. They, they don't just tweet what the client tells them to tweet. It's not like it was in the beginning. And I think when clients start to understand that, um, you'll, you'll start seeing a lot more bravery coming out and people going, you know what? Yes, I am going to try that person because look, she's great. And look, her audience responds really well. So hopefully we stop seeing a lot of that. But it's all about being honest up front as well hey? and, and admitting when you've made an error and what did you learn from it? And if you lose the client, so be it. <laughs> Mo, have bloggers ever let you down in the past and how? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wow. Um. So shame. Like. Um. It's simple things. I mean. I think let let down is like we say. If we stalk you and we really like you, um, we engage with you. Um, and we want to negotiate. And sometimes we really don't have budget. Um, and you come back with you know an amount that's exorbitant. And and I can compare that amount to 
sort of a macro influencer. Um, that's that's when mm. I get disappointed because it's a good opportunity for you to be out there sometimes. And and sometimes, you know, you're really fit, good fit for the brand, but because of your fees and you don't want to negotiate, you know, I've been let down that way. Um, I mean, there are people who haven't delivered things that they said they deliver on time. Um, there are people who have bullied me, tried to bully me into um, giving them more than I had promised. Um, people who've run competitions without my knowledge and, you know, have expected that I deliver, um, you know, products. <laughs> um, there's so many things that people do. I mean, <laughs> I have been let down in the past. Um, yeah, quite, quite a few times, I think. But um, yeah. I think it's a learning process as well. Um, these are people at the end of the day. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of my takeouts and all my partnerships. These people are people. A lot of them are professional. Yes, they've been doing it for a long time. But people are people. People get greedy. People overstep sometimes. People want more than you know what's on the table. Um, but people are people. It's just a pity that sometimes it does speak to you not getting repeat business with me, even if you did do well, or you know, it, it yeah. does speak to a lot of things at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So yeah. I can add to a few things there. So I think our biggest bugbears are the same. It's when you reach out and the communication back is very, very slow. I think what um, influencers have to understand is that, you know, yes, you might not be doing your influencer role as a full-time job, but this is our full-time job. Yes. And often it's short turnaround time. So the faster that you can come back to us, the better. Um, I've once reached out to somebody also, same as Mo, very excited, introducing myself, asking for a coffee meeting. And I literally got the rate card emailed back to me. The person didn't even say, hi, Dom, get lost, <laughs> whatever. They literally just emailed me the rate card. Like I've yeah. had really disappointing responses like that. And mm. we understand that, you know, there's this, we always have the discussion about, um, you know, exposure doesn't pay my rent. We know that now. And the nice mm. part is the clients mm. do too. But as Mo said, sometimes we don't have budget. And PR agencies in the grand scheme of things are often last on the list to get allocated budget. We get given like the, mm -hmm. the, the, the big above the line agency, the big strategy comes out <laughs> and then they sort of go, yeah. oh, let's do a little bit of PR. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that with any disrespect, that's just how it works sometimes. And so what, what the influencers don't understand is that we don't have the TV budget. We're not the ones placing the full page ad in the Sunday Times, you know? So a little mm -hmm. bit of give and take. Mm -hmm. And, and one of my biggest bugbears is people RSVPing to come to an event and they're not arriving, not even sending a message to say, yeah. I can't make it anymore. I hate, I hate that. And my worst is then you come to my event and let's all be honest, you all know what we want when you come to an event and by agreeing to come to an event, by not even posting one Insta story and saying, thanks for having me. That's how I've been let down in the past before because Back in my old days, when I first started in PR, media, like editors and beauty editors were the cream of the crop. And then bloggers started coming onto, onto the scene. And we started treating those bloggers and influencers like media. And that's what people have to understand. You are now a platform. You are like a magazine or a TV show or a newspaper in mm. our world now. So you really need to remember that um, mm. you have an important job to do yes so if the event or the whatever i'm sending you is not of interest 100 percent fine with me you don't have to post a picture every time i send you a pack but if you for example mm. rsvp to an event to me that says that you have interest and that sort of interest to your uh followers and it would be awesome if you could just do 
a small little something at the event. Um, so yeah, that's my, oof, I really, and the events cost a fortune. So then you get the budget for an event and then it kind do. of goes to waste. Yes. So, so yeah, so that's, yeah. that's also very frustrating from our side. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. Now I know how some PR companies feel. <laughs> wow. Okay. It is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. From my side. Okay. To be honest, there, there were times that I went to an event and I didn't say anything on social media because I went to the event and I'm like, why am I here? The uh, event sounded yes. amazing, yeah, but it was completely opposite than what I was told it would be. Okay. And I'm yeah. the type of content creator that I'm not the person that goes to an event and take out a hundred selfies no, sure. and post mm. it on Instagram and say, oh, I'm at this friend's event and I'm having a ball. Like for me, it, it needs to have a message. It needs to have a theme. And if it's something that I resonate with, then yeah, sure. I'll definitely share it on social media. Yeah, yeah. And I think from a content creator's side, talking to you has PRs. I think a lot of content creators have that problem. And sometimes I ask myself, why did the PR even host this event? Because for me, <laughs> yeah. it felt like a waste of money because you basically called me there to come and take out selfies with a whole lot of celebrities or whatever the case is. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I wasted my time in petrol getting there for that. And then some PRs do afterwards email and say, hi, so when can I get my tweet or whatever? And then you're thinking wow, yeah. like, is that the reason why you invited me there or did you invite me to get to know the brand, the product, whatever the case is. So I think this is a very debatable topic it is, on it both is. sides it is. <laughs> because it really, everyone it really has is, their yeah. frustrations when it comes to yeah. how should I, how the should I approach an event? Yes. yes yeah. I've had but people with, saying, oh, sorry. No, continue, Dom. No, I've had people saying, you know, um, would you, pay for me to come to this event because like you said you paid for your petrol you paid for your time um i do think again i'm speaking for myself uh, we don't have events every five minutes especially not now but even in the past when we were allowed to see each other mm. um we only had events for very specific reasons for very um like important things but i hear what you're saying Shane, about the like I can I can imagine it from your point of view. You know why why did you come to this thing? Why didn't they rather use the money that they spent on canapes on, you know, a sponsored post on my blog? So, I do think it's a debatable topic. Um, I can obviously only talk for our events that we've done in the past, but I think it's more the behaviour behind it. Don't don't come if it's not of interest to you then, or you know that kind of thing. It's the communication mm. around it. Just say, no, thanks, I'm not interested. Or, you know what, no, I don't go to events uh, because of X. Or, you know, I don't, there's nothing wrong with saying that. It's just this, this communication between the two parties. I think that's what's, what's frustrating a lot of the time. So you mentioned that some content creators want to be paid to attend events. Yes. Do you guys have PRs do that? Do no. you pay someone? No. 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 No, um, um, but also an integral part of the day. No. Yes, like an MC. Um, that's what I was going to say. Like an yeah, MC, or they're yeah. a photographer at the event, or that kind yes. of thing. Then yes, we do pay them. Yeah. Mm, mm. Okay, Mo. This question's but, for you. Yes. 
Yes, Dom, you had something to say first. I'm very sorry to interrupt. <laughs> what I wanted to say was that um, the from a, from a point of view of the um, influencers being paid to come to an event, like I said earlier, you have to remember that PR agencies are now seeing influencers the same way that they used to deal with media. So yes, it was okay. an editor's job to come to an event. It was part of your job to, you know, um, go to Mauritius for a week. Um, mm -hmm. It was part of your job to do X, Y, Z. So I think um, maybe it's the mistake from the PR industry side that we're, that we're treating you like media um, because that's mm. how we see you. But maybe we're neglecting the fact that like it's not your full-time job as, yeah. <laughs> to, to do these things. So that could also be potentially where, you know, we could learn a bit more. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mo, my question mm -hmm. for you is, What's the difference between a trade exchange and a paid campaign? Because I think a lot of times content creators get confused between the both. And also when it comes to negotiations with these two. Okay. Um, ooh, um, so from my understanding and the way that I work, um, there is nothing free when it comes to trade exchange. Um, Whenever we get a product from a client, um, there's a cost involved there. Uh, whether, I mean, Do Dominique uh, mentioned earlier that we get nooks like hardly yeah. anything um, <laughs> when, when it comes to these kind of budgets. So when a client does give us X, like let's say 10 perfumes, there's a cost to those perfumes. It's not like they took them out the store and whatever. There's a cost. There's 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 a delivery cost. There's so many costs that are in, that we incur um, as a PR because we've also taken that as a tool um, to help us create content. Um, a trade exchange is where we give you uh, the benefits, or oh, I must say benefits, depending on what you do with your blog. So in the good old days, when I used to work before, you know, content creations and bloggers were a thing. Um, this was about three or four years ago. When we said trade exchange, we, we literally meant here's a fantastic product that we feel like will be great for your kid or for your mom or whatever. Um, we would like you to please experience it. Um, would you be interested in talking about it and telling your, 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 your audiences about it? Um, and the person would then take it, experience it, um and if and if and if they enjoyed it they would say okay can i give it to a few of my audiences um and that was that that was a trade exchange um so i gave them an item and they gave my they they spoke about the item they experienced it and they they gave me sort of coverage for it coverage that i could put into a report and tell the client about um nowadays um because there's a set fee that people are getting for for creating content so whether it's you going outside and taking pictures or whatever the, the cost that you incur uh, when you are helping us sort of speak about a product or a client, uh, because there's a set fee uh, that goes with the, the, the content creation, um, people are now mistaking that of the back in the day experiencing the product, right? Um, now there are drops uh, and drops obviously are for you to experience and engage with the product and touch it and feel it and stuff. But uh, a trade exchange is literally... Um, Here's what I can give you. Can we then talk upfront about how you're going to sort of speak to your experience with the product? Okay. Um, and a, a paid for gig is literally, okay, Shane, uh, Shane, this is, this is your cost or this is what um, you want me to pay you for talking about it. 
um, for talking about a product or a service. Um, and this is where it's going to appear. And so it's more controlled. It's more controlled um, and it's more, and there, there's, there's a cost incurred at the end of the day, a physical cost, which is money and that's put into your account. So, um, I, I, I mean, I speak a lot to my blogger friends and, and people in the industry and stuff like that and, and my colleagues. And we always argue about this, but you need to remember, again, um, giveaways, that's a way to engage your audiences. That's a way for your platform to grow. That's a way for your audience to, ex to experience the product. Um, I, I ensure that whoever wins the product gets the, the giveaway. So that is a price that I incur, again, from my budget. Um, you know, delivery of the products to get to you. That's another cost that I incur. Um, my clients have products, sometimes they are of very high value. Um, and again, that's another, that's, another, uh, that's another cost that I incur. So some people understand the benefit of having the product in your hand and talking about it, um, you know, extending it to your audience and growing your platforms as a result. They understand that as a trade exchange and people are okay to do that. Um, some people are more inclined to a cost. They want a cost because they feel like they've established themselves, they've established their brand and um, their platform has sort of the reach and the audience and the engagement for them to, to confirm that, you know? So um, that's the difference for me. So here's a question for you. Hmm. Yes. With a trade exchange, is a content creator does she have to, or he or she, have to send you a report afterwards with stats, or does that only come in when it's a paid campaign? <laughs> Good question. <Okay. laughs> um, so for me personally, just because I advise that, for example, wh whatever we discuss up front goes. Um, the paid for is definitely, it's it's uh, the client has invested this budget, et cetera, to you. But also remember, um, a lot of the people that I work with, I, I always communicate that when I've uh, when I've distributed or when we have a trade exchange, I've spoken to my client, I've told my client about you, I've vetted, I've gone through everything, I've given them an Excel doc of who of your stats and and everything. Um, they, I want them to engage with you more, and I want them to like the work that you've done on their brand, and I want them to understand that um, the work that you've done or or the exchange that we've done, there are results for it. Um, so I like to ask for um, a report. Um, it doesn't have to be as sort of very hectic as a paid for or somebody who's much bigger on scale um, or analytics and stuff like that. But it's always good to have an understanding of who did it go to, who engaged with the product um, and that kind of thing. I think it's a great work. It's a work ethic. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great opportunity for the client to understand your numbers and, and what, what happened or, or the process of, 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 of the content that you created, I feel. Um, but I don't think there is, I don't know. I, I think we're different. I think maybe there's a different way of working, but that's what I prefer. I prefer that, I prefer to keep from both, from both. Dominique, do you feel the same? Um, so yes and no. So I agree paid is obviously a very different story. Um, but the thing that people have to remember is that generally an interaction with an influencer starts with a trade exchange. Mm. So we're testing the waters. You're testing us. Mm. We, like Mo said, we put you forward to the client. They've agreed to give you the product. And as Mo said, everything has a cost. Um, in some of our budgets in the past, we've had stock come off of our budget. It's not even a separate line item in mm. the client's budget. Yes. So you have to think about like everyone thinks, oh, but it's just. Uh, I don't know, a bar of chocolate or 
a doll. It's not. It's not just that. So, yes, it might be costed out at cost price, but there's a cost. So think about a trade exchange as your first dipping the toe with a client. So, yes, I agree. <laughs> yes. Do not be giving us your whole entire, like, history on your report. But things like how many people entered, how many people commented, mm. um, did it do better mm. than one of your other competitions maybe? Um, did you get any standout comments? Um, what did you? What would you have done better? Like that kind of feedback for the client. Um, that's very useful because also it shows that you are, you know, your audience. You know what works. You can give us good feedback. So next time when I think, oh, you know, Sean, she did that great giveaway. And you know, she her, that was a very good competition. Maybe we should pay her this time. So I'm not saying it works like that in all instances, yes. but but think about it. From that point of view, what do you want the client to know? Because it's it's easy to say, no, nope, you didn't pay me cash. You're not getting analytics. But then the chances of us working with you again are slim because we don't know what happened. We don't know if it was a good giveaway or not or a good trade exchange or not. So one hand, yes. On the one hand, no, I can, I can see it from both points of view. Yeah. Sorry. So this is very quick. So I wanted to say we are sort of your route or your channel to client and to brand. Um, it's important that you understand that even with everything that's happening in the world and the way, you know, everything, there's a cost tied to everything and everyone wants money and whatever. Um, we are the ones that are sort of uh, introducing you and your platform to a bigger audience, an audience that has money, has power. Um, and when I say that, I mean, some of my clients are really watching some of the media um, and, and the bloggers and the YouTube people. And half the time, clients move around themselves. So they're the ones sometimes that do come forward and say, let's use X, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but also, it's an opportunity when you, when you show us the results and you show the client the results. It's an opportunity for them, wherever they are, to also use you as an example. And I mean, clients also move. They're people. They go to other brands. They, they go to bigger brands with bigger marketing budgets. They're the ones that are going to re recommend you. Um, and it's a nice opportunity for us to know that um and it's a learning experience for, for for you as well to see what what works and what doesn't and and if um and if the way that you maybe ran a competition was was best um so try and also be very um optimistic about you know these kind of opportunities because they i mean they do help you i think in the long run i've seen i've seen bloggers grow because of clients who've worked with them and previous agencies and want to bring them back with us yeah so I've, yes, I've seen same. a pattern there's there's a good there's you know there's a good balance there Okay, so regarding my question, if you send me a press drop and I don't post about your product, will you cut me <laughs> from your list? No, I, I'm, I'm going to be very, I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, there's a yes and no to this, and this is the realest answer I could give you. Um, no is because sometimes I don't just go and give you uh, a drop. Um, nine times out of ten, I've contacted you, I've communicated with you, I've asked you for your address. Um, I've liaised with you. Um, I've understood. I'm, I'm trying to understand sort of uh, your feeling towards a certain product, especially because whenever I send a list to a client, the client wants to know if they are going to get any results. Um, this is one particular client I'm actually referring to. Um, there are clients that want to know. Mo, I'm investing fifty-five thousand rands X, let's say, in this opportunity or this amazing experience that's going to be dropped at this person's house. What am I going to get out of it? Um, sometimes it is just about awareness. We just want to let you know that X and X is happening, you know, have a moment to yourself, enjoy. Um, and there is a cost to 
the drop. So we would really, really love it. We really, really would. Um, if you sort of publicized it or, or gave us some kind of mention or, or and that kind of thing. Um, there are instances where A, there's not a good job done in terms of the person knowing if you fit to the brand, if you like the brand, if you, for instance, even, I don't know, if, if I don't know, if, if you, if you, if you have DSTV, for example, sake, um, I could be promoting a show on DSTV and you could not have DSTV. Um, and then I could just be sending you a drop and it could not make sense to you. And you really feel like what the hell is going on. But sometimes I, on my end, I have communicated and I have said, look, this is great. This is lovely. I think this person will enjoy it. Or I think, you know, would you be interested um, in, in, in getting this drop? Can you give me your address? And, you know, can I please for my client just to make her happy? Can you please give me a story? Half the time I've negotiated up front, but you don't have to do anything. Um, I've seen it a few times where people do get dropped off lists just because people do feel like um, you are saying yes to a product. Um, you are exp expressing your interest, but you know, you don't, you aren't, you aren't engaging with the brand. You aren't saying anything. You aren't tweeting. You aren't, you know? Um, so there are times where repetitively somebody has sent a drop to someone and they've fallen off the list just because we feel like she's not engaging with us. She's not interested. Let's move her. She said yes a few times, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think it's, it's, you're not obliged to, it's just, I think it's good. It's good sometimes to just do whatever, <laughs> you know, to do, to, 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 to tweet a brand and say, thank you. I really love it. Um, but I mean, it's, it's your platform. You do what you need to. But I think the realist answer is sometimes you do get taken off a list because of things like that. Okay, so here's a question for Dominique. I've had many instances where PR sent me press drops without doing research. Like I think before <laughs> lockdown, yes. someone sent me baby food for a six-month-old and my youngest is three years old. No, no. no. <laughs> exactly. I've had unexpected press drops and I wonder why. Why are you wasting your money sending me this product? Okay. Because I'm not no. even in that phase of motherhood or in my life, whatever the case is. Yeah. And no. then you, you email me afterwards and be like, hi, Shan, will you be, you know, saying something about this product? And here I am pissed because I'm like, did you not do your homework? But you must and absolutely say that then, Shan. You must. You must. <laughs> you know how I learned so, yes, the hard yes, way is by yes, editors yes. calling you out. Yes. I bet you now, if you sent that mail to that person, that PR person would never do it again. You are teaching them a lesson. Because that is, firstly, that's lazy. No wonder that, you know, you're yeah, getting this cringe. bad reputation. That they're is, cringe. that is so cringe. That is terrible. And, and to me, that is, that, that is not cool, right? But at the same time, you as the influencer should not feel one bit bad to say to them, look, you have not been following me for very long or done even one bit of research. And by the way, you sent this to me unprompted even. So like, I don't mm. actually owe you anything because I can hear what Mo is saying in her answer. If she's asking you for your address and telling you what she's going to send and potentially what, from what brand, if you are not interested in it, then surely the right thing to do is to say, you know what, that's not something I'm going to talk about so that we don't waste our money sending you a pack. So I think, you know, there's that, but <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, that's just not on. And 
like I talk for myself, but in the past I have made mistakes, like for example, sending media releases to the, like when I was very, very young and very, very stupid before I learned, <laughs> like to the editor of the business day. Like you don't send press oh, releases flip. to the editor yeah. of the business day. <laughs> How did I learn that? Because the editor wrote back to me and said, Madam, best you start learning how to do your job. Jeez. So okay. I reckon a good old lesson is here. And I, I'm sorry, but I think that's lazy. That's not cool. Sorry, uh, Shannon. Also, another thing. Sorry, Shannon. Just one more point on, on that. Sometimes um, the strategy behind a press pack is also something completely different. Sometimes it is an awareness drop. Um, That's true. For example, yeah. in some instances, um, like one of my TV clients, for example, um, a lot of the media that we'd send to, um, we want to let them know about a show, let's say. And the nice thing about that that audience or sorry, that media is traditional media. They are they've written about the brand. They're writing about it again. It's also just an awareness. It's just, you know, it's just to sort of um, get them to exper experience um, what they'd normally get in a press release. Um, so in that, so you do get instances where, um, I know that this person loves the, the brand, engages with the brand constantly, gives, you know, a lot of coverage in their own free will. I will give a press drop and not expect anything. There are times where we literally just want, yeah. you know, to just help you interact with our, with our brand and our product. Bo, you know what I've been thinking as you've been talking throughout this whole conversation? And I know, I mean, I'm, I've been in the industry for a very long time and maybe this is not... Maybe I'm showing my age here, but you know, the more and more I think about this conversation is that PR agencies are treating bloggers and influencers like media, and we're yes. using all our old school PR tactics yeah, well, as yeah, if well. these people are media, Definitely. which we, which they are. You are. You are most certainly a platform, and you are a mm. great platform for getting comms out. But mm. the trick here the is, is the people getting it don't know what the PR tactic is. Because a lot of the questions and stuff that are coming from here are, it, it's a very big indicator to me that here we are using our PR tools that we've been yeah. taught and we know that work on people who have no idea. A good yeah. example, media kits. Why do bloggers call it a media kit? You're not a media platform. You're not a magazine. Mm. You're a mm. blog. So why yeah. don't you call it a profile? Why, do, why are we calling these things media kits, for example? Mm. It's because we, as PR are putting asking our you, yeah, asking, asking you for a media yeah. kit because that's what we get from a magazine yeah. so it's like there's a lot of that going on as well I think like the poor influencers on the other end are probably like what's a media pack so I think that's a lot to do with it as well Okay, talking about that, I have a few more questions that I really want to get to quickly I know we're running out of time but I'm hoping that we can just cut it down and get straight to the point with the next few questions. Because I think this is really a topic that we could go on and on about yes. <laughs> even more than an hour that we're talking for right now. So Dominic, you mentioned media kit. Yes. A lot of content creators have no idea what should yep. be included in the media <laughs> kit and what should not be included in, in the okay. media kit. Can you touch on it quickly? Okay, so very quickly, a media kit. So firstly, why are you calling it a media kit? It's your profile, it's your blog's name, it doesn't have to be a media kit. Basically, it is who you are, what your platforms focus on. And this is something that's really important, especially in the world of beauty, parenting, fashion, food. When you say to me, my platform is I'm a parenting blogger, I need specifics. So 
I am a mommy blogger who loves to focus on homeschooling and baking. Mm -hmm. Great. Then I know mm -hmm. that's more suited for X, Y, Z. Tell me about your audience. So it's who you are, what your platforms focus on, what niche you have, what, yes, what you love, well and your audience. And when I say audience, I mean literally your demographics. So on a um, Instagram account, you will know gender, age group, where your followers are based, and um, I'm trying to think, oh, what time of day they're most active. So I'm not asking for your back-end login details here. What I want is just a screen grab. Um, you know, 70% of my audience is female between the ages of 25 and 45, and they live in Joburg. That is so helpful mm. because it helps you to target. So a media kit is purely a profile. Some people include their rates. My advice is don't send your rates mm -hmm. with your media kits. Keep it separate. You've got a, a kit, as we're calling it, your profile, and you've got a separate rate card. Don't put the two together because a first step is your profile. Then we like you. Then we have a rate card discussion, if, if, if I can simplify it like that. Can a blogger approach you with an idea for a campaign? Will client even consider it? And how many times should a blogger or content creator follow up after the pitch? So the quick answer is yes. Please, please, please. Because I'll tell you why. Sometimes at the end of a campaign, you're looking for a reason to talk to the client again, to get another budget, to get another brief. So we personally love it when people come to us with ideas. doesn't have to be full-on ideas with everything scoped out. It can be an idea based on an insight. You come to me with a proposal, I will take it to my client because that is another opportunity for me to sell business to my client. So absolutely, yes, I say go for it. And following up, um, generally a good, a good PR should be telling you what the feedback is. Um, but I would say have the, the courage to do it at least three times and, um, you know, cut your losses after that. Okay. How important are pretty pictures and clean blog things? And does this play a big role in whether the content creator gets chosen or not? Um, for me, there's two parts to this answer. So one, not all content creators are equal. There is a difference between someone who is a content creator, in, in my opinion, someone who can take good photos, someone who can write beautifully, someone who can do a great video or has a good you know, personality that comes across in their social um, versus somebody who is, has social influence. So A, if I'm looking for a specific type of content creator, then your pretty pictures are very important. If I'm looking for someone who can take great flat lays, yes, it's important. If, however, all I'm looking for is amplification, no, doesn't really matter. You might just have the right um, amount of followers on Twitter that I'm looking for. And yeah, if you take a good picture or not, great. It does depend on what the person is doing. Um, but the second part of the answer is it shows us that you are professional and serious about what you do if you have the right blog themes and, um, you know, you've got your own URL and that kind of thing. So two answers. Do you try to work with a blogger on a campaign based on his or her lifestyle? And, or does it really not matter as long as they have an engaged audience? Um, both apply. So what usually happens is part of our vetting, it's just, it's fallen through the cracks just because a lot has happened over the past few months. But part of our vetting is uh, we usually 
we like to meet the people that we're putting our money behind. Um, half the time when we've selected you, we've seen you engage or interact with our brand. Um, so when we put money behind whatever it is that we're doing, we like to get a feel um, of, of how the product fits into your life. Um, you know, if you've used it, what you think about it and that kind of thing. Um, so it's always, it's always good. I mean, for me, there's no, like I said to you, a big part of my life is that, yes, I'm a PR person, but I'm also a consumer. So consumers are not, audiences are not stupid. I mean, you can't just put something in somebody's hand and then tell them to talk about a product that they, that they don't, that, that the audience not going to believe, you know? Um, so yeah, it's very important that they've been get it's part of their life. Um, and it's something that they, they would sort of subscribe to in their own personal capacity um because it just makes that the messaging stronger um and engagement is always a great thing um numbers are always a good thing but for me first and foremost it has to be that you know you resonate with the product and it's a part of your life or it's something that you would um you know get or buy or watch or whatever the case may be do you think this is why the same bloggers are being used over and over again for competitions and campaigns more um it's a difficult one we had an argument a few weeks ago because there was an outroar on twitter about a specific blogger that they felt like didn't resonate with the product a lot of pr people i think have gawped their brain so i think there's a lot of strategy and there's a lot of thinking behind um certain people and why they fit in certain campaigns um, like we mentioned earlier, numbers never lie. Um, and also sometimes people um, do fit campaigns and they do give bet better results um, than others. And sometimes client does ask that we that we reuse people or we select, you know, just based on the fact that they gave uh, good numbers before. Um, it's not an excuse to be lazy. It isn't because you don't want to just, I mean, use anyone for the sake of using anyone. Um, so I think, yeah, there is, there's a method to the madness. I do feel, I do feel people do understand that, um, certain people fit, speak to brands better. Um, and I think you need to understand as well that there are certain, uh, PR people, um, that use people over longer periods. So for example, I could, I could use you in February and then I could use you again in, in, in November, just because you, you fit with the brand, the brand so perfectly. Um, so yeah, I think that's, 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 that, that's that on that. Okay. Mo, last question for you. I've heard a lot of people talk about this frustration about the lack of fees or low fees. And someone just brought this up yesterday. I know this is a very controversial topic, but someone mentioned yeah. to me that Shan, people of color are getting paid lower and I was like, wow, I didn't know this was happening in the industry because to be honest, we as content creators, very few of us share our rates with each other. Or if we do yeah. have the same campaign, you know, which share info with each other, but it's not out there openly. And now this has become a yeah. problem because why is one person getting paid more than the other when they are sitting on the same numbers? But you did bring up... Yeah engagement but i just want to quickly hear from you how can we work together to best improve the situation 
Yeah. Um, so I think, Shan, look, that's a very sensitive topic for me personally as a woman of color in an industry that also, I mean, there's so many things that we fight about in our industry to say, hi, you know, this person cannot be paid more if they're white or whatever the case may be. So um, for me particularly, like every campaign I've ever worked on, I don't think it's ever been merit to pay somebody because they're white or they are, they look rich or they have a better aesthetic than somebody else. It's never been the case. Um, what I am finding, though, is stats aside, um, statistics aside, engagement and those kind of things aside, um, there are bloggers that are more better, that are better, better negotiators than others, right? Um, there are bloggers that understand that there's power in, for example, if I, if I approach you for the first time, um, and you give me a, a, a lower rate or a negotiated rate, that the chance of me coming back to you based on that um, are more. Um, so you do find that some people do come back and say, look, Mo, I usually charge this, but because I really love the brand and I understand this is going on, I will take it for this. Um, and I think my next, my, my gut feel is, okay, the next time I work on a fab campaign, I'm going to use her because she's more, she's giving me, um, you know, more, more bang for my money. Um, there isn't, there isn't a day that, that, that I think a PR person goes into it looking at a color. I think it's a confidence thing as well. I think more people are more, people are more confident. People are better, uh, suited to, to talk for themselves. Um, there are people who, who, who do come in and play a very, a very bad game of, you know, giving us very high numbers. We're not even going to consider you. Um, we're not going to do that. Um, so I don't think it's a black and white thing. I do think it's a negotiating thing. I think it's a confidence thing. And I also think it's, 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 it's a relationship thing. A lot of people know, um, how to communicate certain things to us up front. And I think some people, I think come to us, um, because they really, really love the brand and they really want to do work with us and they are better suited to take whatever it is that we're giving them. And some people come and they're looking at it as an opportunity to make money. So there's no, there's no color. For, for on my brands because I'm a person of color I'm not gonna go and pay somebody else or whatever I know and I would know how it feels like to, to to be mistreated like that so I wouldn't do it I wouldn't work like that um but I just think it's a confidence thing it's a negotiating thing and it's an understanding why it is that I wasn't paid for this or et cetera et cetera through communicating like email us call us you know have a conversation and ask hi Mo you know you know, do you guys have budget? You know, how can we work together? Last time you guys did pay me X and I'd just like to know how can I improve from, from X to X, you know, and just let's have open discussions and yeah. Okay. Dominique, my last question. Well, mm -hmm. second last question for you. Yeah. This has been a popular one. <laughs> Who makes the final decision on which influencer is chosen for a campaign for a campaign is it the client or you uh it's generally so it's a long answer or short answer mm. i put you forward um but the client chooses in the end so i think in essence it's then me because let's say for example i've got 10 profiles in front of me if i think five of those fit better i'm going to put those five in my proposal the client will then choose from those five. So, you know, unless the client has specifically said, you will work with this person because I love them and they're this and this, it's first stage is agency, second stage is the client. They then go, okay, of the five, I like two, as an example. Okay, and based on what you just said now, 
does the client go and do further research on the person or they just take the information that you have given them to make the final say? And as you mentioned, sometimes the client says, you need to work with Shan. So how often does that happen? Um, in our experience, um, that doesn't happen a lot. Um, so what generally happens is that I will put forward people and because the clients know our approach in terms of we always meet with people wherever possible, if not in person, you know, um, on a call, we, they know how much research we do, we get the analytics for the audiences, we present profiles. There's a lot of work that goes into that first stage. Um, some people who listen to this may know from working with me that we'll even ask you for a starter idea to sort of say to the client, look, this is what Sean's thinking. Um, she may not have the full brief yet, but this is the kind of thing that she wants to do. Um, and then because we've done so much research and we can show, physically show, that we vetted you, we've now checked you out on all our auditing platforms, we've gone back and looked on your tweets, we've, we've, we've looked into you, like we really spend a lot of time doing that, the clients do generally go with our recommendations. Also remember when we get a brief, we know the audience that they're trying to attract. It's not like we're getting the stuff from thin air. We know what they want, so we target accordingly. Okay, thank you so much, ladies, yes, for perfect. joining me on this right. podcast. I thank think you. we pretty much covered all the questions that I had. I mean, it was more than 40 minutes, but hey, <laughs> we got that information that we needed. I really appreciate that, you know, you've given me your time and also gave me in-depth answers, which I think will help many new content creators or influencers, bloggers, whatever we call them, there's so many of them these days, to 